0: Joy is your compass. Jesus is your destination. That will never get old. That will never get old. Will you all look wonderful today? A little feedback. Somebody must be happy to celebrate today. So, I want to see a show of hands. Who is excited that it is National Nutella Day? Nutella? Okay.
1: Okay, raise your hand
0: if you don't know what Nutella... Nutella is (laughs) it is this I well it's kind of yummy because it's chocolate you know and I love chocolate but I really only had it a couple of times but it is some kind of like delicious spread that you put on you know like bread and stuff yeah Yeah. so see if you don't know what it is I'll bring you some next week (laughs) but since I wasn't really too excited about it I went ahead and looked at tomorrow and tomorrow is National Compliment Day. Okay, so we all can be excited about that. We all love a compliment. And we, so I encourage us all to be intentional to compliment somebody tomorrow. You can even do it today. You really don't have to wait till tomorrow, but you, you know, just be intentional tomorrow. And you know, be a little more specific with your compliment. Like, I love when Pastor Marlon compliments me, you know, words of affirmation is my love language. You know, but, but when he says, you know, you look beautiful today, honey. And I'm like, oh, thank you. That just makes me so warm and fuzzy, thank you. But I love it when he gets a little more specific. So what exactly about me today is beautiful that wasn't yesterday? Right? Like, am I having a good hair day? Cause some days is not good. <laughs> Is it the makeup? Is it just my, you know, I'm just bubbly today? Like, what is it? So be, speci- be a little more specific with your compliments, okay? They really do matter. In counting our blessings, I am super excited because I am literally counting my blessings today, and I'm very thankful that I got the mic before Pastor Marlon to preach this blessing. So I want to show you my blessing. Okay. JT, can you show my blessing? Oh. I don't know if it's going to explode you. Yes. Well, are you guys all ready? We're ready! Are you ready? Are we ready? Yeah. Three, four, one, oh, one! Oh. 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 We're going to have a grandson! <laughs> <laughs> Yay! That just happened yesterday! <laughs> we already have Gianna, she's our little granddaughter, she'll be two this summer, and she's going to be a big sister! Have our first boy! Yay! All right, let's pray. That's really, our hard transition there, because I'm so pumped now. I've watched it like 20 times, just to make sure. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Father God, we thank you for this time, Lord, and uh, we, I surrender it all to you. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way, Lord. Minister the way that you choose. There, there's, there's, there's no structure. We, we give it to you. There's no agenda. We just give it to you. Father God, open our ears to hear your word today and our spirits to receive it, digest it, keep it, and hold it tight in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, now our new declaration for the year, Hebrews 4.16, if we could put that up there. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is the throne of grace is right here in God's house that you can come boldly to. Amen? That you can come boldly to. Not afraid, not discouraged, but boldly. Okay. I need a favor. So, raise your hand if you are tech savvy. Oh my goodness, okay, now look around because these are our VIPs. Like, they really need to share their phone. No, 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 keep them up, keep them up. We really need to share your phone numbers with all of us. You are very important people. I am not tech savvy. Even though I've been working on a computer at the bank for 29 years, I still am not tech savvy. But God loves me so much that He put the best guru right next door to us. Yes, we have Mr. Matt Norton living right next door to us. He is the best. In case I'm sure you've heard me talk about him before because we brag about him. He's Tim's um, brother, and he works for the church. He's been doing it for over 10 years, where he does all the tech, everything for all four campuses. He's so smart. Like he's just so smart. Like I work from home and um, I work on, a, on on Windows, but then my personal um, computer is a Mac because the church is all Mac. And Pastor Marlin said you gotta have a Mac. But I don't really know how to use the Mac. Um, but I do my messages on the Mac and some things. But whenever I have a problem, I text Matt. Most of the time, he can just answer me with a text, with either computer. But and even if he can't with the text, he'll just come over because he's right next door. He comes over and he fixes everything. Like Matt is the best. I I put him up here. Like he is on this pedestal that is super, super high because he is like my VIP. Until one day. One day, Matt let me down. One day, Matt couldn't fix my Mac. He fell really hard that day off that pedestal. I cried as I took my Mac to the Apple store because there was an error message that you just couldn't bypass. It wouldn't let me go any further. I get to the Apple store and the man says, the words that we all dread, you're going to have to revert back to the default setting. My heart stopped. And then he perked up for a second and he said, but but don't worry because I'm sure you have everything backed up on the cloud. Now, if he would have made that a statement, I would have been okay. But he said it as a question, as if I had something to do with that. So I knew that if I had something to do with that and it cost more money, I didn't do that. (laughs) And I lost lots of good stuff off of my Mac that day because I had to revert back to the factory setting. The default setting, the default setting is an automatic selection predetermined to be most used. Think about that. The default setting is an automatic selection predetermined to be most used. We all have a default setting. We all have a default setting. Remember the Bible says that Satan is the God of this world? This is his world. We're born into his world. So we have a default setting. And then then over time, as we grow up in in, in the natural, we develop characteristics, we develop habits, we develop personality, and, and then that shapes us, right? That adds to our... Default setting. So by the time we're grown, we're a certain kind of person. You are just a certain kind of person before Jesus. That is your, your, your default setting, your natural person that comes easy for you until 2 Corinthians 5 17. Until, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Oh, things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That means when we accept Jesus, when we accept Christ into our hearts, right, we become a new creation. Ah, but that doesn't mean the default setting is gone. That just means it's a little further away. It's still there because we still live in this world, right? We still live in Satan's world. But the more you choose, you and I choose to become like Christ, the more we learn his character, the more we adopt his character, the more we look and choose him, the further away the default setting is. Right? So now it can be way out here. Because you are now a new creation. You are now a new person. You have overrode, overrode, your default setting. Have you ever um, kicked a habit? You know, like, like we'll, we'll pick on smoking because probably almost all, most people have smoked at one time in their life. I know I have. And that's a hard habit to kick. But say that you smoked for years, 20 years, and then you decided you're gonna quit smoking. And in two, three, we'll go four years. You've, you've, you haven't smoked for four years. Four years. That's fantastic, right? That's fantastic. That's no longer your default setting, right? Until one day, you, you can say it was your circumstances, the day got the best of you, and you smoked a cigarette. And you told yourself, but not tomorrow. It was just this one time. But tomorrow comes that same situation still there. So you go ahead and smoke another cigarette, and then another, and before you know it, you have reverted back to your old nature. And the lie of the enemy is to say, what we tell ourselves was just that, that one thing happened that day. It was all because of that one thing. And that's a lie. That's a lie that we believe. Because the enemy is cunning. Satan is cunning. And there are clear signs that lead up or led up to that. to to, to reverting back. He is so cunning with his temptation that we miss all of those clear signs that led up to us defaulting. I have found in my life that there is a play of the enemies that he uses all the time. He's got this one play that he uses all the time. And you would think we'd be ready for this by now. You would think I'd be ready for this by now. And I have fallen to this play because it's easy to go undetected for a long time. And this one play of the enemy that causes you and I to default back has such a ripple effect that when we do, we end up being 10 times worse than we were before Jesus. And that would be complacency. Hmm. Complacency That's being satisfied with the way things are That's being at, I don't care It just doesn't matter I don't really care Maybe a little lazy It is what it is This is just who I am Hmm. Indifference is a little similar to complacency it's a lack of concern for anyone or anything. Think about that for a second, because it's really hard for, for us to identify that to, uh, in ourselves. So just that lack of concern. And complacency will often come when we're too busy, right? When we get overwhelmed, we can't handle it all, so then we just give up. We sometimes miss when complacency comes because we're not busy enough when we get lazy because we're bored, life is boring. So then we just don't care, just don't care. Complacency as a Christian, as a believer is when we're fully satisfied with where we are with Christ. I don't need to go any deeper. I don't need to learn anymore. And that's when we take God for granted. That's when we take God for granted. And compl- being complacent or indifferent, you know, in, in the natural, his heart is bad enough, but man, when we focus that on God, when we turn that to God, that's a whole lot worse. And he doesn't take that very lightly. Let's look at Malachi 1, verse two and three. I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you say, in what ways have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated, and laid waste his mountains and his his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. And another translation there says, for I have chose Jacob, and I have rejected Esau. But why? God, why would you reject Esau? He was the firstborn. There's rights for the firstborn. Like he was, he was, he was, had an inheritance. He had a double blessing being the firstborn. He would be the leader of the family being the firstborn and the spiritual blessings on top of that. So why would you reject him? Let's look at Genesis 25. Start at verse 29. Now Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that, please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom, meaning Esau's name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I am about to die, so what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, well, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him, sold his birthright to Jacob, and Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. Esau said, Look, I'm, I'm about to die here of starvation. So, what is this birthright good? What, what does it do me anyway? Okay. So let's stop right there. Esau and Jacob are brothers. Their father is Isaac. And the Bible makes it clear over and over that Isaac was the wealthiest man. Isaac had everything, everything. So I kind of think that Esau's being a little dramatic here, right? A little dramatic. I mean, you ever had a kid be a little dramatic? I'm starving. Dinner will be done in 15 minutes. I can't wait that long. I need a snack now. I'm starving, right? Or they, you know, they got a little cough. Uh, uh, I can't go to school. I, I, I'm coughing. <clears throat> right? So, so Esau, a little dramatic right here, right? Perhaps he was just complacent and being lazy. Didn't want to go into the kitchen and make himself some food because I'm sure the kitchen was full of food when your father owns it all. And I mean, your, let alone your, your father God, but your natural father owns it all. And then next, Abraham was his grandfather. Oh, now we're getting deep here. Abraham, you know Father Abraham, the one where God made the covenant with? God made the covenant with Esau's grandfather and said, you are who I start my family. You are my covenant. You and your children and your children's children from generation to generation are blessed and set apart for me. I, I, I kind of think Esau knew who his grandfather was. Mm-hmm. So he knew the blessings of God. He knew the inheritance. He knew the blessings of being the firstborn. Oh, yeah. Yet, he didn't care. He didn't care. He didn't treasure. He didn't treasure that spiritual blessing that was given to him. He chose to not look beyond that moment and see the everlasting effects. Man, King David would now come from from Jacob, right? Jesus was a descendant of Jacob now because Esau was complacent and indifferent. Complacency happens when we take God for granted. But there is, I have found personally, we will all be complacent from time to time. So don't beat yourself up over that. But we can't stay there. We have to be aware of that. We have to be aware when the devil is trying, the enemy is trying to make us default back to where we were. And I have found personally three things that have was my cure for complacency that I'm going to share with you. The first one I learned was learn to see a better tomorrow. Learn to see a better tomorrow. Let's look at First Samuel 20, verse 16 and 17. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, "Let the Lord require." require it at the hand of David's enemies. Now Jonathan again caused David to vow because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Jonathan was King Saul's son, who was king at the time, the first king. David was anointed to be the next king. And Jonathan and David made a covenant together. They made a covenant vow to each other. They loved each other, that we will care for one another, we will protect one another, and we will honor one another. That was their covenant. Now, I practice this word, okay? Just like this, this word I'm about to say is just as hard as charcuterie. Yeah. Mephibosheth, did I do that? Yeah. Man, yeah. I was saying that name probably a thousand times and I was like, my name is boring. Like, <laughs> like Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son. Mephibosheth was only five years old when his father Jonathan and his grandfather Saul died. But it wasn't until years later when he was a grown man that King David remembered his covenant with Jonathan. Look at 2 Samuel 9. Verse one says, Now David said, Is there still anyone which is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Man, talk about waking up and hitting the jackpot. David just woke up that day, right? And he's like, Hey, is there anyone left in Saul's house? Because I made a covenant years ago with Jonathan, and I want to honor my covenant with Jonathan. Is there anybody that I can favor? And the people, his workers, his servants said, Well, yeah, there really is. Jonathan's son Mephibosheth? Man, he's living a poor life in Lodabar. He's a crippled man, he doesn't got nothing. And, and David said, King David said, Oh, no, bring him to me. Bring him to me. And he said, all the land, everything that used to be King Saul's is now yours. All that land is yours. All the animals are yours. In fact, all of you, you're going to serve him. He said, all of you, this whole house of Ziba over here, you serve him now. And then when Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth was in front of him, he said, and as for you, you eat with me now. Oh. You eat. You get to sit at the king's table now. You get to eat as a son because I remembered my covenant. And let me tell you something. God remembers his covenant with you. He is a God that won't go back on his word. He will honor that which he made with you. You have got to just see a better tomorrow. Mephibosheth went to bed a poor, lonely man and woke up rich, sitting at the king's table because the king remembered. You gotta remember. And we are visual people. So whatever that looks like for you, if you've gotta put it up all over your house like I do, do it because you've gotta see it. You've got to see God is a covenant-keeping God and he does not go back on his word ever. He will ensure that it accomplishes that which he sends it. And as a believer in Christ, you got to covenant with the Father. Hmm. He owns it all. Yeah. He owns it all. You're already favored. you just got to remember it and see it. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Amen. Number two, cure for uh, complacency was care about people. Care about people better. Especially when we are hurting, care about people better. Philippians 2.4, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. That's so plain and simple there, right? Sometimes we got to get away from ourselves. We got we to get outside of ourselves and focus on somebody else. The best time to do that is when you're hurting. The best time to do that is when you're complacent. The best time to do that is when you're lonely. The best time to do that is when you uh, just have that don't care attitude. You've got to care about somebody else. Put your focus off of yourself and put it on someone else. Oh, man, that'll bless you so much. I promise you it'll change you from the inside. It'll change you from the inside. When, when I was, I, I got to, um divorced when I was 30 and I was married for 12 years and a couple years after my divorce I thought I out looking for a children's home because I think I shared with you that I was in a children's home when I was young so it was always my heart to give back and this was a low point in my life but I was like I I gotta find a children's home uh, the one I was at was no longer around so of course there's a children's home two and a half miles from my house it was, um, it's Ohio Guidestone now, but it was Berea Children's Home at the time. So I went there, and I talked to somebody, um, went through a lot of training. I, I just wanted to volunteer my time. I, that was it. You know, I already had my full-time job, but I wanted to volunteer, volunteer my time and love on these children. And they were just starting a mentoring program. They had not done this before, so I was going to be the first one. Uh, so this picture, um, it's a full campus of houses. Okay, these, these children, there's about 100. They live there for a period of time until, there's, you know, some, um, until they're done with treatment. So we call them cottages, but they're just houses. And they're you know, different ages and different security levels and so forth, depending on um, what they're there for and their um, behavior. So I'm excited. I'm going in here and I'm excited because I'm going to love on some children. And they, you know, this one particular girl, Jay, she, I was going to be her mentor. She asked for, a bunch of them asked for a mentor, but she was the oldest. So she got first pick, right? She just turned 17. So here I am, I'm walking in. I'm real excited, right? You know, you go through all of these alarm doors and stuff and they, they put me into this room waiting for her to come in, you know, and they, they leave you in the room by yourself with, you know, that person. Yeah. And when she walked in, I was like, oh sweet Jesus, she towered over me. She was such she's a big girl. I had to look up to and, and she was scary. I'm not gonna lie, she she looked really scary. And I was like, this is what this is what this is this is it. <laughs> oh Jesus, you know, and she she walked in and she sized me up. She was like, she sat down and she looked at me. I'll never forget her first words. Mind you, she asked for this. She hadn't met me before, but she did ask for a mentor. And she looked at me and she said, what in the world could you do for me? I said, Jesus, I want to go home now. I don't want to do this anymore. Come on, they can't all be like this, right? There's a 100 kids here and this is what we start with. But we had some great conversations and uh, we developed a wonderful relationship wonderful relationship after time I mean I got to take her out to I brought her to church I got to t- I got to do which they had not ever had you know besides going um, home on the weekends if there was a home to go to that was the only time they left the campus. Um, so we got privileges and I just never forget because every day that I would come, I went once a week, every every week I'd come and the staff would tell me all the, you know, terrible things that she did and tell me, you know, because she really did them. Oh, she probably ain't going to tell you that she beat up that person or that she broke that or she did this, she escaped there. and But she would tell me every time and she'd say, Miss Michelle, this is what I did, but you're still coming back next week, right? And of course, I always came back. Sometimes I had to put the brakes on and said, please don't tell me anymore. Because there's some things I got to tell, Jay. Like, you know, I can't, if you're going to do that, I got to tell on you. So please don't tell me everything. (laughs) We even had a relationship uh, afterwards because she was grown, you know, so I got kept in contact with her. And then I remember just a couple months into it, they asked me to uh, be the guest speaker at an assembly there. So this was in the gym and they had all the kids come, all the kids I was so scared. I was so scared. Cold, total chaos. It was just total chaos there. And I remember the pastor of the agency gave me the mic and said, go ahead. <laughs> it's like, but nobody's sitting down. Nobody, they're talking, they're screaming. They're doing, this is chaos. What do you mean go ahead? And I'll never forget, Jay, she didn't, she, she demanded the room, not lying. Like her presence demanded and she didn't even grab the mic for me. She just stood up and she said, excuse me, Miss Michelle and she just yelled at the top of her lungs some profanity to everybody and then told them to shut the blank up because I'm about to speak and it was quiet. (laughs) I was like, that's why you started me off with her. See, I was mad at first with God. I was like, you couldn't give me this little tiny little like six-year-old, you know, who's just like friendly. There was a reason for that because I spent the next 13 years every week there and got to mentor a bunch of kids. Yeah because I was intentional to care about somebody else when I needed to be cared for. Mm. We have to be intentional to care about somebody else when we want to be cared for, because yeah, God will show up there, amen? God will show up there. Amen. The third one is go after God hardcore, and I mean hardcore. This ain't the time, when you're complacent, it ain't the time to read a scripture once a week. That right. ain't gonna cut it. Well. Let's look at Psalms 105.4. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. There's no way to misinterpret that. There's no way. Seek the Lord, seek his strength, seek his presence continually. Look at Second Peter, and I, I have this one in the voice because I like the way this one says. Second Peter 1, verse two and three in the voice says, I wish you a full measure of grace and peace as you grow in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need to experience life and to reflect God's true nature through the knowledge of the one who called us by his glory and virtue. God has given us his power and revealed to us his true knowledge. The whole second book of Peter it just reflects, it talks about the knowledge of God, knowing the character of God and knowing the knowledge of God. And we're not talking about intellectual, just intellectual knowledge, because you can read the Bible front and back and not know God. Yeah. Right, you really can. I mean, this is the Apostle Peter. He, he was with Jesus in his entire like, ministry. He practically lived with Jesus, okay? So he could have just taught, but yet he's telling everybody, don't take my word for it. You've got to know the true knowledge of God for yourself. You've got to know his character. You have to know his character. He was telling them you have to not only know his character, but you have to be intentional with it. You have to be intentional. You have to have disciplines in your life to learn the character of God. That's how you go after God hardcore. That's how you get out of that complacent, that indifferent spirit back into who God created you, your new nature. True knowledge is found in God and his word. The apostle Paul, remember, he he didn't know Jesus when Jesus lived, when Jesus was alive. He didn't meet Jesus and he only met him once and that was after the resurrection. But after his conversion, he he immediately set himself apart for three years. Look at, look at Galatians. I'm not even sure I gave you this one, but that's okay. Galatians 1.15 says, and this is Paul speaking. He's telling the church, he said, but even before I was born, God chose me and he called me by his marvelous grace. And then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. And when this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to counsel with those who were apostles before me, before I was, but instead I went away into Arabia and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter and I stayed with him for 15 days when Jesus was, that was when Jesus was revealed to Paul. Do you see that? He didn't even jump right into the apostles. Teach me, teach me. He went to learn for himself. He went away to learn the character of God for himself before he even heard it from the apostles. That's going after God hardcore. That's going, and he will meet you there. He will meet you there. You have to make a, a deliberate decision for that but I promise you it works. I've lived through it, it works. And I'm gonna close with this story. So we can stand please. I assure you that these steps work because I also assure you that you'll find yourself complacent it just happens, but you can't stay there. You can't stay there. You can't choose default. That's not who you are anymore. That's not who you are anymore. And when I went through, when I went through my divorce at 30, I, my, whole, my whole life, like I knew Jesus, I served God. I went to church sometimes I prayed sometimes. I read my Bible. My husband at the time did not. I prayed all the time specifically for him and for my marriage. Didn't happen until one day I stopped. One day, it's like, God, you clearly aren't, aren't hearing me. And I chose to live life for myself after that. I did what I wanted to do. God was still there. And that's why we miss The attack of the enemy because we feel as if we still love Jesus, that we're okay. But that's not enough. It's not enough to just love Him. It's not enough to just love Him, but to serve Him. To serve Him. And then, about a year after my divorce, I met someone, moved him in. He didn't know Jesus either. And I knew that was wrong for me. For me, that was sin. That was straight up sin, and I didn't care. I was convicted every day, but I didn't care. Until one day. Until one day, mama got me to go to church with her. She she started going to a new church, and my mom and dad said, come on, just just come. And I went to church that Sunday, and I will never forget because it changed my life. When I heard the pastor say, God doesn't waste pain, realized that I was in so much pain because I was so blinded and it's been, I defaulted so far. I didn't realize it. And I went home after church and I said, you got to go. Told that man he had to leave. I said, that's just not who I am anymore. That's not who I am anymore. I'm sorry, but this is, I choose Jesus today. I choose Jesus today. And then I was intentional then I was intentional to see a better tomorrow and I put it up all over my house. I put up scripture everywhere, I put up everything that God, I knew God had promised me in his word and the dreams and the vision because what's important to know that that when we're in that place, again, we didn't lose, I didn't lose my love for Jesus. He was still Lord in my heart but he wasn't in my life. I was intentional I even put up my 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 husband. He would be a man after God's heart. He would be a man who would love me like Jesus. And it was another 13 years before I met that man. I held on to that and it stuck on my, on my mirror in my bedroom until I met Pastor Marlin. I had to see a better tomorrow. I had to see a better tomorrow. And then it was the next week when I found the children's home. I was like, I gotta care about someone else. I've gotta get outside myself. I gotta put myself aside. And I gotta love on somebody. And then I went to I went to um, church and I started talking about how I can learn more. And I found night school, I found Bible school. All within that that month period, I was like, I gotta go to Bible school. Because I had to go after God hardcore. I had to know his character, remind myself. You gotta remind yourself sometimes. That's the cure for complacency. Just remind yourself. Just don't stay there. Because he has a better tomorrow for you. He's a covenant-keeping father. He doesn't go back on his word. And if you're unsure of that, what that word is, that's what our Bible is for. That's what our knees are for. That's what this house is for. Amen? This is the house of the Lord, this is the house of the Lord. You haven't left anything undone. You accomplish it all. You are a loving Father. You are a loving Father, you're so patient. (laughs) You're so patient, Church I just want you to visualize the face of Jesus before you. He's holding your face in His hands and saying, Just look at me. I am the one thing. I am the one thing. I am the truth. He is always the truth. He is always. Just help us to see a better tomorrow. Remind us, Lord, of this word. And whatever we need to do to see that God as being visual people, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you put that desire on our hearts, Lord, to be intentional, to put up our better tomorrow, the dreams that you have given us, the promises in your word. The scriptures are our promises. The word is our promise. Show us, Lord who you want us to care for. Show us who you want us to reach out to. Show us who you want us to pray for. Show us who you want us to to call on the phone. Show us, Lord, because we're a family. You created us to be family. Teach us your character, Lord. Teach us your character. Teach us how to be still before you, because, God, that can be hard. (laughs) Teach us how to be still and to listen for your voice. Oh, because you long to talk to us. You desire to talk. You desire to lead us. Teach us how to be still. Teach us your word, God, the true knowledge of your word. that you are loving that you are caring that you are forgiving your wisdom has no limits your grace is sufficient your mercy is new every day your love is unconditional and you will never leave us that's your nature that's your character and that's just the beginning there is so much more God we want you to teach us Lord I pray God that you we would have a teachable spirit we've knowing that we'll never arrive we'll never come to know it all but that we are always hungry hungry for more hungry for more of your presence exactly like we had today in your house And if you are here and don't know Jesus personally, if you haven't had that conversion like like the apostle Paul had, you can have that today and you will become a new creation in Christ, a new person, a new nature will birth inside of you when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He knows your heart so he already sees that. Now he just needs to hear your words. So church, let's say it together. Lord Jesus, ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I repent and surrender my life to you. From this day on, Lord, I choose to serve you, I choose to live for you, I choose to lay down all of me and to trust you, for I love you and worship you, in Jesus' name, amen.